Welcome back to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. It's still storming here. Ian's passing by, but thank God, still safe so far. We are in the book of Judges, though. If you want to read along with me, we've made it to chapter 12. Let me pull it up. If you want to read along with me, let's begin with verse 1. Then the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over towards Zephon, and said to Jephthah, Why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you with fire. So now um, Jephthah, just so we can explain who the people are, the people of Ephraim, children, the men of Ephraim, that's um, the people who are descendants of Joseph, same Joseph who had the coat of many colors, uh, betrayed by his brothers, sold as a slave into Egypt and dwelt and, and, you know, basically um, went to Africa before the rest of the, his brothers and family just before the famine and before the whole Exodus narrative. That's that same Ephraim, one of the sons born to Joseph there in Africa, um, which also might clue us in on the complexion of these people. Not everyone in the Bible is blonde and blue like religion might make you try to make you believe. It's in Africa, and it'd be tough to live with blonde and blue blonde and blue in that kind of environment it'd be hard on the skin and even dangerous to be have that much sun exposure but that's just so you understand how things get whitewashed not because it matters to me what color any of the people are but anyway so Ephraim is that same Ephraim and um and um Jephthah is the one who we read about in the previous chapter and even more crazy sounds to me kind of crazy narrative where he was banished by his brothers um and he had lots of them banished by them because he was um the son of a prostitute and that is that their father had apparently hooked up with um so his brothers didn't want him to have any part with them so he was banished uh but then when they needed him the people of the area sought him out to help them, and he did. And But before he helped them, he agreed with, according to the narrative, the Lord, a bargain with the Lord to sacrifice his only child, his, of course, as a daughter, um, make her an, a human sacrifice for victory over the people that um, he was going to fight. He got the victory, and then he ended up sacrificing his daughter, according to what we read. So it's that same Jephthah. I, if you didn't read that one along with me, I highly recommend you read it. It's Judges chapter 11. It's something else. Um, but anyway, so um, now that the battle is over and it's been won, some of the other congregations, some of the other branches of the family tree have approached him and are wondering, well, why didn't you come to us for help? How dare you go over there and battle them and not ask us for help too? And not only are they um, mad or in their feelings that they weren't asked to go to the battle too, they're even threatening to burn down his house because he didn't ask them to go fight with some of their enemies. Verse 2, And Jephthah said to them, My people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon, and when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. So Jephthah's let them know, Look, I needed help, and you weren't willing to help, so I did what I had to do. Verse 3, So when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people of Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? So Jephthah's like, look, I did what I had to do to save my neck and my people, even though, again, he was banished by those same people. They didn't want anything to do with him until they needed him. 
But he did go ahead and do it, and he got the victory. And so he's wondering, well, what's the beef now? What's the problem? Why are you at my throats now when you weren't willing to help me before? Verse 4, Now Jephthah gathered together all the men of Gilead and fought against Ephraim. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim, because they said, You Gileadites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and among the Manassites. So it's basically civil war. They're um, divided and saying that they had no um, right to separate themselves from the rest of the crew. Um, but they were defeated in their trying to cause that insurrection. Verse 5, the Gileadites seized the forts of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. And when any Ephraimite who escaped said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead would say to him, are you an Ephraimite? If he said no. So now the they've seized the forts. That's the basically the bridge to cross from one side to the other. Um, and they're, they've given them uh, means testing to see if they would be free to cross or not. So like a password. Uh, if they said no, they're not an Ephraimite. Verse 6, then they would say to him, then say Shibboleth. And he would say Sibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. Then they would take him and kill him at the forts of the Jordan. There fell at that time 42,000 Ephraimites. So the means testing costed them their lives. There's, they, they used as a test to see how they pronounce one singular word, if they pronounced it the wrong way, they would kill them, assuming that they were not allied with them and kill them. And they killed 42,000, according to the, 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 the narrative here. Sounds like madness, because what if they just happen to um, like the accent of that area? It, it, it sounds crazy, but that's the means test that they use to protect the, um, the, the boundary. Verse 7, And Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried among the cities of Gilead. So um, Jephthah's period of reigning over the people um, ended after those uh, six years. He sacrificed his only child to get that position. And then it only ended up lasting him six years. But it lasted him, so he got what he bargained for with his deal with the quote-unquote Lord for his child's life. Verse 8, after him, Ibzan of Bethlehem judged Israel. So the next person arose named Ibzan, and as always, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these, um, as the next ruler, leader of the people. Verse 9, he had 30 sons, and he gave away 30 daughters in marriage. And brought in 30 daughters from elsewhere for his sons. He judged Israel seven years. So he's got 60 kids. So obviously not from one singular woman. Probably not even from two or three. So also, once again, just as a side note, letting you see how Bible thumpers in modern times are lying to you when they say, according to the Bible, marriage is supposed to be between one man and one woman. That's an obvious lie. We've seen again and again how the patriarchs had many, many, many different wives. It's one woman can only have, a woman can only have one spouse, but the man can have as many spouses as he wants to or can afford. We've read it again and again. And that's just the spouses. He's also allowed to have concubines and side pieces and prostitutes, and none of that gets condemned at all. Um, it's only if the woman has more than one spouse, then it becomes an issue. So that can't possibly be from God Almighty. Believe what you want, but it can't possibly be from God because it's a double standard. And why would a God who sees everyone the same and equally have a double standard? 
but it is how it reads. So let's just keep reading. Verse 10, then Ibzan died and was buried in Bethlehem. So his period of reign ended also after those seven years. Verse 11, after him, Elon the Zebulonite reigned, I'm sorry, judged Israel. He judged Israel 10 years. So the next person, Elon, and again, that's what the book of Judges seems to be about. It's just giving us a quick synopsis of the different leaders that rose after the period of Moses and the era of Joshua. One person after the other rose to power and led the people. And like we read in the previous chapters, uh, 300 years have gone by now already since the time of Moses is passing to the period here of the judges. So a whole lot of time has passed in um, a short period of time in the Bible. Um, so then anyway, either way, Elon was the next one. Uh, verse 12, and Elon the Zebulonite died and was buried at Ijalon in the country of Zebulun. So uh, his period came and went. Verse 13, after him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirathonite, judged Israel. So the next leader came along, Abdon, and um, he was the judge. Verse 14, he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons. He rode on seven, who rode on 70 donkeys. Let me start that one again. Verse 14, he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 young donkeys. He judged Israel eight years. So what's not being said here, he had a lot of kids and grandkids too. What's not being said here, besides the fact that they obviously have more than one spouse, is that they must have been enriching themselves. Because again, a man could have as many wives as he wanted to, or most likely as he could afford. So they rise to power and they enrich themselves and get fat full on that power and privilege and get as many wives and side pieces, concubines and prostitutes as they want and have all those kids and sort of form an army with all of those children and grandchildren to the point that they become, uh, they can overtake the city so they rise to power. It sounds like that's what's being said if you read between the lines. And that also contradicts one of the orders that they are sort of affirms one of the things they were warned about before they even chose their first king previously when they wanted Moses to choose a king for them. I think it was Moses. It might have been Joshua. Um, they were told that if they choose a king over them, the king's going to basically get fat. He's going to um, enrich himself off the people, have lots of kids that he enriches himself off the people. And if that was a prophecy, it was accurate and true and it's come to pass. But more than likely what it was was written retrospectively. It's the narrators and the scribes looking back on how things went and putting it there that, oh, when you choose a king, he's going to have all these different kids. They're going to rule over you because that's exactly what ended up happening. So either it was a pro it was a accurate prophecy or it's 2020 vision, 2020 hindsight. So anyway, uh, the next one arose, had all those kids, and that's who ruled over the people. But for shorter and shorter periods of times, it was around 40 years um, for some of the earlier leaders. Now it's down to right around a decade or less. Verse 15, then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Pirathonite, died and was buried in Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the mountains of the Amalekites. So his period of reign came and went and he's died also. Um, and that's actually the end of this chapter it was sort of a quick one. Um, as always, I appreciate you reading along with me, and I do hope the Naked Truth is a blessing for you and that you'll join me again. Stay safe, especially with the storm hurricane passing through. 
God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.